Do you think this thing wanted to be an animal? No dogs make it a thousand miles through the cold. No, you don't understand. This thing wanted to be the greatest movie of all time. Today on the show, The Thing. The greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie. Come on and hear me now. Greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie. Come on and hear me Welcome, everybody, to the greatest movie of all time podcast, the show in which I, your co-host, the Iceman, Rick Barrasso, and I, your co-host, the big thing, Boski, Rick Smith. We're going to watch every single movie ever made, and we're going to help figure out which is the greatest of them all. How are you doing today, Derek? I'm doing well. How about you? I'm doing phenomenal. There are no words in the English language to describe how great I'm doing. You know, we picked the perfect time, I think, oh. in like, in, in, in like, in like the, the way the weather is. You know, I think it's a good time to see this movie. It was snowing out when I watched this movie. And it was just the perfect, just no perfect day to do it. Yep. And of course, awesome. as I said before, we were digging up a UFO and we were watching the thing. But let's take care of some business first. Last week, we had our long-awaited episode on Hook. It was a great episode. We discussed thud butt cheese. Uh, you know, just... That sounds like a disease. It, it does. It, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes. I couldn't, I couudn't go to work last week. I had thud butt cheese for like two days. <laughs> oh, it's like, oh, my thud butt cheese is acting up. <laughs> it always gets that way in the cold. But you can... Uh, and that was a great episode. Check that one out. Check out any of our library. We are on Spotify. We are on Apple Podcasts. We're on every every app. Like if you can't find us, there's, there's something wrong with you. Something wrong with you, yeah. Uh, and uh, you know, if you enjoyed that one, or if you have anything else you want us to cover, let us know on social media. We are the greatest movie of all time podcast on Facebook. We're at Great Movie Cast on Twitter. We're at Rick and Rick on Instagram. And you can always, always shoot us an email at greatestmoviepod at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. And as our old friend our old buddy, our old partner in Antarctic research, Bruce Wayne would say, tell your friends about us, but now fire up that flamethrower for The Thing. The Thing is a 1982 horror movie directed by John Carpenter. It stars Kurt Russell as McCready, Keith David as Childs, and Wilford Brimley as Blair. It made $19.6 million on a $15 million budget, so famously a flop and, and, you know, when it first came out. Um, it's got an 8.1 on IMDb, an 82% Rotten Tomatoes, and Metacritic, gonna Metacritic, 57%. Mm. So for reviews, Adam Smith of Empire Magazine says, The Thing is a peerless masterpiece of relentless suspense, retina-wrecking visual excess, and outright nihilistic terror. Ebert did not like it. Quote, because this material has been done before and better, especially in the original The Thing and Alien, there's no need to see this version. Which is a wild oh, take. Ebert, man, just, just wild take. Yeah. We, you know, spoilers, we do have Alien on the schedule somewhere in the future. Um, the Thing from Another World is like radically different than this movie, despite being based on the same. Uh, source material and alien is like the strengths of it are totally different but we have a theory and or at least i have a theory as to why um originally these because the, the great reviews come later uh but for another negative one um we've got jeff andrew from Time Out. he says russell's sub eastwood heroics hardly compensate for the absence of all characterization while bill lancaster's script boasts the most illogical climax any monster movie ever had so this is a movie that was definitely reappraised as time went on. I kind of have a theory, and this is kind of a working theory of movies in general. And I think why this movie didn't work as much when it came out. I think people, critics, audiences, they 
see movies as very escapist, right? Think about like what in think about now. You know, we just had a long conversation before one of the air about Marvel movies. Marvel movies are kind of the most popular movies right now. I think in a large part because the clear delineation of good and evil is very different from what politics are right now, where everything's kind of a mess, especially like when you're looking at the, the 2000s when, uh, you know, when, when Iron Man first came out. Uh, people are looking for things that they're not seeing in the real world. And in the 80s, we are so paranoid about the Cold War and Russia and spies and everything like that. And this guy looks normal, but can we trust that he's not a monster underneath this? And people just didn't want to see it in the movies. I mean, I guess I, I, I don't really get why this, this was a flop. I, I, even with that, you know, it just the other me- thing, the other thing, did you in your research come across the other movie that came out on the same weekend this movie did? Yes, E.T. Yeah. So very different. <laughs> um, very, very different uh, movie, but also an, has an alien in it. So yeah. I guess back then people liked the happy aliens better. They did. And of course, it's, you know, anything that goes up against Spielberg. Like we, you know, it, I haven't watched it yet. It's it's on HBO Max. So I'm going to check it out. Um, the Guillermo del Toro uh, movie that uh, that that came out. Yeah, uh, the Guillermo del Toro movie, uh, Nightmare Alley, uh, nominated for Best Picture. Wow. Haven't seen it yet. Going to watch it. Came out the same day as Spider-Man. Wow. So it flopped. So I don't know. I, sometimes you, you have to be strategic about when you're releasing these things. Yeah, for sure. But let's talk about this movie, what happens in it. Derek, have you chosen a song? You know, I was going to play Superstitious by Stevie Wonder. Mm-hmm. It is in the movie. But I don't really want to because, okay. uh, you know what? This has a very eerie feeling to it. I'm not going to play the, the music from the movie either, which we'll talk about later. But I'm just going to time it regularly. Okay, go for it. Right. Uh, three, two, one, go. Suspicion and paranoia abound as a shape-shifting, body-stealing alien infiltrates an Antarctic research station. R.J. McCready must determine who the thing has taken over and who can be trusted. We find the men under arrest are almost as dangerous as the creature who overtakes the victims one by one. When they're alone, it seems to be entirely made up of tentacles and insect legs. Eventually, the creature takes most of the crew. McCready blows up the base with dynamite they had on hand. He and Childs, the other surviving member of the team, stare at each other as the freezing Antarctic night begins to overtake them, indifferent to whether or not one of them is human. All right, 30 seconds. Beautiful. Nicely done. Yeah, this is quite a movie. This is... It, it, you know what it kind of reminds me of? And you're going to be like, what? But it, it almost reminds me of the movie Clue. And only because of it being filmed in the same exact spot, the whole movie. Yeah. So by the, it almost, it's, it, it's an interesting type of movie. Like, Clue is very much a comedic version of this, I feel like. Yeah, you could could say that. I can can definitely see that because it's like, it's a bunch of people not knowing if they can trust the person next to them. Yep. And it's, yeah. I mean, the the thing, I mean, the advantage the thing has over Clue is the fucking dazzling effects. Like the incredible, like, puppetry and makeup. And yeah, whereas Clue, of course, has... has, uh, you know, an, an amazing cast. Not this cast. Yeah, and well, the thing is, the thing is with the thing too is that like, it came out in a decade where I personally think it's just when I think of the and again, people might be like, "What are you talking about?" When I think of eighties, I think of cheesiness. Yeah. Um, and this movie is not cheesy no. whatsoever. And if somebody no. watches this movie and doesn't like the effects, like you're stupid. I'm gonna go ahead and yes. say that right now. You're you're just not intelligent. Your so brain today- is smaller than the rest of ours. I read today, so there is a prequel to this movie, which is essentially a remake. Well, I started to watch it by accident a couple of years ago, yeah. thinking it was a remake, and I just like, what the hell is this? I shut it off. So supposedly, they shot that entire movie with practical effects, and then recut it to have all CGI. Oh wow! 
which is just blows my mind because the yeah. effects in this. I mean, we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about it more. Yep. So let's uh, let's talk about our favorite scenes in the movie. Uh, top three scenes as we do each week. Derek, what is your number three favorite scene? Um, so my number three is just it's really uh, just kind of a, a camera shot and. and it's sort of when we first see the thing itself, those two faces that are like split. Yeah. And the camera goes back to it a couple times and just shows you it. And it's like just absolutely horrific. Yeah. It's like, whoa. And especially if you're going back. And I think that's why this movie works so well is like going back and watching it as of like, instead of like actually watching it for the first time, going back and watching it, you're just like, whoa, like this is like, this is amazing. Like somebody created this and they were very yeah. good at this. Like it wasn't like everything that they show you is horrific. It's scary. Like it, it, it keeps you up at night. And every time they show the shot of the original, you know, that image there, I was like, oh my God, it's so eerie. It's like somebody sat down and drew this out and was like, what do you think? Yeah. Like, can you imagine this? I want to see like the drawing of that. It's incredible. But that's like not really a scene specifically, but, um, you know, when they're cutting it open and stuff like, you know, like what? wear a mask <laughs> like what the yeah. hell i mean other than that because i mean there's you know there's there's allowances you have to make for it being a movie but i think the one of the great things about this movie is every character is incredibly competent like nobody it's there's nothing in this movie i feel like other than like when somebody just completely breaks psychologically yeah like there's there's nothing that i can point to and be like you know the 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 stereotypical stereotypical like slasher like you know we see they talk about in scream it's like oh don't go up the stairs you don't really get that a lot in this movie like right. every decision a character makes is logical in some way even if we know i mean we take it on faith that mccready is not the thing but like anytime somebody makes a move against mccready you can be like that kind of makes sense like if you if you're not sure if he's the thing right well you know something and maybe i missed this completely but what are they doing out there like what are they just like what's their purpose I think they're just a research. It, like it, it could be anything. They're like a, a weather research station. It, it doesn't really matter. Well, that's the thing. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It totally doesn't matter. But I'm like, I think one of my problems was like, they had a doc, like the doctor guy, like was like cutting the thing open and like no mask, no nothing. And I'm like, okay, they're probably not like super intelligent doctors because they don't have like proper things. I right. feel like maybe mask is just something that I'm just thinking about now because I'm like. If the thing's if the thing's sure. like juice like shoots out into his face, I'm like, you're done. I I think the another one of the great things about this movie is that it can be anywhere. You know, like the the snow makes it feel it can be anywhere isolated. Yeah. You know, if you put this movie on a space station, if you put this movie in the desert, if you put this movie on an island, like it works. Uh, but I think that, yeah, I think the snow is really yes. the, that I get, you know what I get? I get like, I get like a shining feeling yes. that like enclosed in, like something's going to happen. If this was like in like a, a, a hot, you know, Hawaii Island, it would be feel different. Like you can escape and get around, but the snow yeah, is just, it's, 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 yeah, the snow is like another villain. Yeah. Speaking of which, my number three scene is the very final scene of the movie. And it's so beautiful that we don't know, as a viewer, who or what is going on. McCready and Childs are looking at each other. One of them could be the thing. Both of them could be the thing. Neither of them could be the thing. And as the, the snow, as the negative 100 degree weather surrounds them as the fires begin to go out yeah it's pretty intense there are, there are no easy answers right it's just yeah you just and i think that's the smartest thing is just wait it out see what happens yeah and you know? in you know we you look at the 80s and this is probably a few years before we get to the like the stereotypical 80s action movies and there's a place for those of course but if this is schwarzenegger if this is Stallone, he's blowing Childs away and we're getting a happy ending. Right. This is not that. This is John Carpenter with his, his sensibilities, his very nihilistic sensibilities. And this is Kurt Russell, who 
is maybe the least selfish action hero that we that we have. He always like puts the story first. I feel like right, uh, and it yeah. just it's such a great ending. I got that very like no country for old old men like nihilistic yes. vibe as well. Um, and I really I, I don't know what it is about that, but I enjoy that a lot. I love when filmmakers do that. Yes. And a lot of people will tell you this is John Carpenter's absolute masterpiece. Yep. I'm inclined to agree, although I really enjoy Halloween. Uh, and he has, he has, of course, you know, Escape from New York and, you know, so many other great movies. But uh, I think the, the ending of this is so eerie. And that's, that's why it makes my list. So what is your number two favorite scene? My number two was Inside the Dog Cage. Yeah. Um, that's like the, f- the first time things start getting real. And it's just absolutely horrifying. Like you're watching, you know, the and the weird thing about the way it mutates or like it turns into stuff, you're like, wait a minute. It's going to go from a dog to this horrific, horrific thing that makes no sense back to a dog. Right. Like what? It like, was, I think it was one dog trying to become many dogs. Okay. Yeah, dude, the, the, oh my God, like just the, this, like, where's the head? What are those things sticking out? What is this? Like, it really is the, like, what is this thing? And the, the, the illustration of it and the art of it is like, it's beyond belief. It's just beyond belief. I've never seen a horror movie where it just like goes that direction. There are so few movies that capture like, like, it's so tough to depict an unimaginable creature. You know, and on the on the flip side of that, that creature cannot really imagine us either. Cannot imagine like thing from the thing's point of view. It's like, what the fuck are these things with only like these like four limbs and like right. these weird like mammalian features? Like what what is happening? And that's what it's like. It freaks out. It like can't figure out what a, a human is or a dog is. Right, right. And it, it's really sad with the dogs, too, because obviously, like, there's a lot of dog lovers out there, and I'm one of them. Yeah. And it's hard to see that scene, and, you know, you feel for the dude who's, like, taking yeah, care of the dogs. The dogs yeah. yeah, it's, like, it, it's it's upsetting, but, you know, well, it has it's, to... And that, the scene, um, you know, the scene with, with Wilford Brimley, uh, with uh, with Blair, when he's having his freak out, and it's, like... He killed the like he killed all the dogs and like yeah. with all this like, guy like waving a gun around. Right. He just, like, the guy that character immediately goes to the dogs. Yep. Because yeah, you can tell he really uh, he really loves those things. Yeah, yeah. But man, it's just you know what? I I feel like movies like The Mist got a lot from that cage scene. Yes. Oh yeah. You know I felt like the you know vibes from that, but um you know I it's it's I said this in the past in the show of like you know a movie has to like if I'm on my phone during the movie. I know that I'm bored with it and I don't want to be bored with anything, but my eyes are glued to the screen when the scene is on. Yeah. So excellent scene. Yeah. Uh, my number two scene is the scene with the test. And that is, uh, I mean, again, this, the, the effects in the scene are just incredible. And it's like, finally, it's like, we're going to figure out who's, who's who and what's what here. And McCready's like, he's got this blood test and it's just not who you're expecting it to be. Yep. And right. the thing I love about this movie as well, another one of the things I love about this movie is that there's so many in like in comedy and horror, people talk about like the rule of three. It's like, I'm going to test one. Like your mind is just hardwired to be like, this one's good. This one's good. The third one, something weird happens. Right. This one, the second one, something weird happens. Yep. And it's just like, what? Like, and you, the effect of the blood just being like, eh! like jumping <laughs> on its own. Yeah. You're like, what the fuck? And then uh, my man just starts shaking. Just like, what is going to happen? Like, what's going to be fu- like? The, the, the next shot is his face is like melting, like yeah. uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark style. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And just like the people that are like tied to him, 
are like losing it. McCready's <laughs> trying to get the, the flamethrower going, and just like it's not lighting. It's just chaos immediately. It's oh, it's such it's so it's, it's of, of course it, of course at that moment the flamethrowers don't work and yeah Windows is completely frozen. Windows, by the way, the only other movie I've seen him in is in the Warriors. Yeah, and I'm like, of course he's gonna die again. Yeah, <laughs> that's what he does. It's like eaten by like a whole fucking top of a head. Like oh, yeah. Oh man. So what's your uh, what's your number two? While, oh, you're, what's your number one? Your number while one? watching that scene, yeah. I for, kind of forgot. I'm like, maybe he'll make it. <laughs> his, nope. head's, his head's being like chomped off. Nobody um, makes it. Yeah, yeah, nobody makes it. Uh, my number one has to be the Norris thing. Um, the scene where the the stomach opens up, clamps yeah. down on the doctor's hands, and he becomes this grotesque. I can't eat caricature of this this character like Norris. Uh, it's just like it when I look up like the thing images like that's the first thing you see. Yes, it's that, yeah. and it's like, can anybody get close to that nowadays? As far as like yeah. making a horror movie, like that is the image that's like, oh boy. The only other thing I remember when I was a kid, and I think I went back and looked at it, and it wasn't as scary, but I think it was Encounters of the First Kind, Third Kind, or whatever. Um, it was like a dog with a guy's head on it, with a beard. Yeah, and I remember seeing that. I remember, I remember that as a kid. I think now, Mars Attacks. No, not Mars Attacks. It's it's the one with Donald Sutherland. Um, oh, um, uh, oh, oh, oh! It's uh, Pod People. It's uh, yeah, it's, yeah. I just remember seeing a dog with a guy's head on and walking around, and it was like it did yeah. just terrified me. But this, even as an adult, I'm like, man, they really got it down. They really got it down. This is the scene I remember. This is the scene that scares me the most. Um, and, and I like when he's, you know, his arms get cut, like chomped off. Like you don't expect it. Like I'm, I'm of course yeah. looking for it now that I've seen it, but wow, what a scene. Yes. I have that as my number one scene as well. Um, just like you go from the, yeah, they're trying to restart this guy's heart and it just, the idea of like a fucking chest cavity of a fucking sternum just opening up and chomping somebody yeah is terrifying yeah it's like it's crazy because like is saying it out loud you could see how they could make it really like how are we gonna make this work yeah you have this thing written down where the chest is gonna open to eat somebody's hands it's gonna be so stupid but they nailed it yes and it that goes right into the spider head looking thing which is referenced in your favorite movie, It Chapter Two. Oh, It Chapter Two is my favorite movie of all time. Yes, if, if, where, uh, if this is your first episode you're watching, yeah. we're, we're, we're joking. I hate that movie, but yeah. yeah, they totally took that. Yeah, they they take it. There's like a there's a spider looking creature in that, and uh, no, one it, of the characters it, it, has the same like they they actually I, I read they actually looked up like the this scene on YouTube so they could he could actually have the same line like you gotta uh, be fucking kidding me yeah it di- didn't quite do uh the same thing that the thing did didn't, no didn't do it justice didn't it wasn't really scary but somebody on set was like oh that reminds me of the thing and it's like we're gonna do this exact same scene right. <laughs> this exact same line reading yep yep uh so yeah i mean just this the the whole second act of this movie or the whole like second half of this movie i should say is just insane <laughs> yeah it's pretty insane yeah uh but let's uh, let's talk about our least favorite parts. What uh, what do you have? I'm not gonna lie to you, Rick. I don't think I have one. I don't either. I, I don't, don't think there's anything wrong with this movie. I don't. This movie so thoroughly succeeds with what it's trying to be. Yeah, and maybe it doesn't have the same lofty aims as The Godfather or No Country for Old Men or some of the other movies we've done, but. For what it's trying to be, it hits it 100%. Yeah, like I would say like if, if, if I was really nitpicking like the characterization, like the, the sure. flesh out character, but again, you don't really need to. It's not that type of movie where you need to know everyone's backstory. Um, you kind of get who each person is in a lot of ways. You only need a yeah. couple of lines to understand who this person is and what they're going to yeah. do. So it works, you know, you don't need everything else. So I, I can't even put that in the worst section because it's not really the worst. Yeah. It's not what the movie's trying to do. So right, because ultimately what this movie is about is how much do you really know your neighbor? Right, right. How much can you trust him? Can you trust that guy? Can you trust your coworker? Can you trust, you know, anyone? Especially when they're being taken over by an alien. Yeah. Right. Uh, so let's go to uh, let's go to metals. 
Who do you have for your bronze medal, Derek? My bronze medal goes to the Kurt Russell. Uh, excellent, excellent, excellent. He always is. He's always just such, such a pleasure to watch on screen. Um, he's like some, I almost feel like he's like an anti-hero, anti-hero. Right. You know what I mean? He has that vibe about him that's like, yeah, I'm going to do the good thing. I'm going to do the right thing, but I'm also going to be kind of a prick about it. <laughs> it's like kind right. of fun to watch him and just like, I'm taking over here. You know, when everybody thinks that like he's the thing at one point, and then he's, when you finally figure out he's not, it's like he has the, I don't know, it's just kind of cool. He's, I don't know, I, I actually got some hateful eight sort of uh, feelings here too. Like sure. almost like the character is kind of similar where he's like taken over and stuff and he's the guy. But yeah, he's my bronze. Yeah, mine as well. I mean, this is a, this is a, uh, a very much a leading man performance from Kurt Russell. And he's he's we we don't really have that right now, as we, we're going to talk about in uh, in recasting. We don't have a guy like Kurt Russell right now. Uh, I feel like well, but, yeah, hard to, hard yeah. to, you know, and as far as the casting goes, when we do that, like I, I, how do you go for who's a Kurt Russell nowadays? You're like, you know, there isn't yeah, one. Nobody, like it's, nobody. It's, a, it's a different, it's a different landscape. Yeah. I, yeah, just it's McCready's such a great character and, and Kurt Russell and John Carpenter just vibe so well together. Yeah. Like it's, they, you know, it, I mean, unfortunately, uh, Carpenter's not making movies anymore, but right, he could. I would just watch a movie that he directs and Russell stars in any day of the week. Yeah. Like, just I wish they did a hundred movies together. I wish they were, like, I don't know, like, what pick your pick your director, uh, actor combo, right? But, like, I, I just wish they just made more movies than those people did. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so who's your uh, who's your silver? I actually have a tie for silver. I have uh, the crew. That worked on this movie and Ennio Morricone, um, who is fantastic. Uh, great, simple, effective score. Yes. Um, the same note twice. That's it. Well, it, it's just like how Jaws is for this movie. It's like it just works. And I, uh, I actually, I'm sorry, what were you saying? I, I was going to say, like, of all the beautiful, luxurious scores that Morricone has done in his entire career, this one is just like he watched it and he goes, boom, boom. Yeah. That's it. And it's like, it's just, but the thing, the thing I love about that is like people sometimes forget, especially as me being a musician, sometimes like when you're writing music, you're like, I want this to be as complex as possible. And then you finish it and you go, people don't get it. But then when you simplify it, all of a sudden it becomes universally acclaimed because people right. can digest it. And this was just like beyond that. That was like just the most effective note twice. And that's it. It's just, and I, and I remember reading that. I think he did music on the hateful eight as well. Yeah. And I guess I like, think they, I think he they used, reuse. he yeah. Re, yeah, they used some, some music from the thing that I guess wasn't used or whatever it was supposed right. to or something like that. But, uh, and then of course the crew, the, the, the people who created these designs and the way this movie looks, it's just, um, they deserve all the accolades. Cause it's just fantastic. Can't yep. say enough about them. Yep. So my silver goes to a gentleman by the name of Rob Botton. Yep. Botton. Yep. And Yep, and he is basically the guy who created the the look of these uh, creatures. Yeah, he was the head of the effects on this. Uh, on the, like, imagine what kind of like. I feel like as a creative person, you just wish for someone to come to you and be like, "Make the most fucked up thing." Yeah, like just just plunge the depths of the worst parts of your imagination and we will make it real. Yes. And that's what this guy got to do in this movie. Yeah. And he, he just, I think this may be of horror movies. Some of the, like the best creature effects in history. I'm not going to lie to you, Rick. I really, at this moment, can't think of anybody better than that right now. Cause usually when I'm watching horror movies, I tend to find that like, monster ones don't scare me as much but more like psychological things do yeah he made me scared of monsters right and that doesn't happen to me so i'm trying to think of one that's better and i don't think there is so i would i would argue probably alien i haven't seen it so so we'll get to that one but the, the, and we'll talk about it like the great thing about alien and i've heard john carpenter speak and, and these these movies get compared quite a bit Alien is the age-old trick of 
anything that you can imagine is more horrifying than what we could show you. Right. And then at the very end of the movie, they show you the creature and it's like, oh, this is weird and fucked up. This is as weird and fucked up as I thought. Right. But it's the actual alien is in alien for a very brief amount of time. Okay. This movie is very similarly structured, but they're like, everything's on fucking front street in full daylight. Like you are going to see this, the, the worst thing you can imagine. Mm-hmm. And it's like you, you, your head. And I think, you know, Ebert seeing this in 1982 or critics seeing this in 1982 or the audience didn't it, like the audience did at that point, like just couldn't get it. Like it was just too much. It's like giving a caveman a laptop. Like, they just wouldn't know what to do with it. Right. Um, yeah, that's not fair to them. They've seen a lot of great stuff. But, like, yeah, it, it was just, like, a bit a, a bit ahead of its time. And, like, yeah. also, they don't make them like that anymore. So it's, like, I don't know when this movie fits in, but it's just a, it's such a unique uh, design for a creature. Yeah. Um, yeah. So who is your gold? And I think... It's definitely Wilford Brimley. No, he's he's good, but uh, who's your gold? Bobcat Goldwaith gets the gold yes. for the thing because he is tremendous. No, John He's Carpenter. actually the voice of the thing. He was on set reading <laughs> the lines in the Bobcat voice. <laughs> he was like, oh my God, we gotta get out of here. Take it over this time, man. <laughs> um, John, yeah, John Carpenter is kind of the obvious thing. His his creation, his vision, his everything. Um, and I, you know, I think that I did maybe put him down a little bit for Halloween because that movie didn't really get me like a lot of other people did. And a lot of people have lived through it and stuff like that. And I didn't, but this one, this one is like just completely flipped me upside down. I remember, and this is another person who doesn't get scared easily. Is that my wife, my wife, Gia, she does not get scared easily. She, in fact, I get scared of things way more than she does. I watch YouTube channels about terrifying things that have happened. And she's like, (sighs) You know, like, give me some popcorn. I'm sitting there like, I'm not going to sleep tonight. This movie, those images where she was like, okay, that was cool. Like, yeah. that was scary. And like, even it got her. So like, you know, Carpenter, you know, he had the great vision. He had the, the you know, the, the script and everything. And it just, it all just looks and feels great. And it's to the point where I, when I am done with this episode, I think I'm going to watch it again. Yeah. Because... It puts you right there. It puts you in a place. It, it, it's, it almost has that effect where like you want to put a blanket on and just like cuddle up and like get cozy and watch this movie and, and hope that it doesn't really happen in real life. Right. <laughs> but it's, uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, this, uh, I mean, we, we live in a place where it snows uh, quite a lot. And yeah, we, we live in the, Miami, Florida, if you haven't guessed. Yes, Miami, Florida, the snow capital, the skiing capital of the world. <laughs> uh, no, we, and we to, to put this movie on when it's snowing when you when you get in two feet of snow in, in over a weekend it's the perfect movie to put on because yeah. you're completely isolated they're completely isolated you just get it just rolls over you yep and you don't know if your significant other is an alien well i mean i don't know not necessarily an alien but you don't know what they're thinking. I don't have a flamethrower on my cabinet. Yeah. You know? Fucked if you don't. <laughs> I think most my Americans... My is completely thing-proof, just in case. <laughs> I mean, most Americans should have a flamethrower in their kitchen. Oh, absolutely. I absolutely. think that if I was the president of the United States, the first thing I would do is give everybody a free flamethrower for their, for their household. You'd get a lot of votes. <laughs> from one specific side yes <laughs> um so my gold's carpenter as well like there's for as much as more coney like is behind the score the placement of like that those notes it's so carpenter uh, as much as kurt russell is great in this movie he's best when he's with carpenter uh and the the paranoia of like who's this guy who like can i trust you like he does such an unbelievable job of crafting that yeah you know it the you know and this is 
he clearly, you know, has, had wanted to make this movie for a long time. Because if you remember in Halloween in 1978, the movie that the kids are watching is the original The Thing from Another World. Yep, that's right. So he's really calling his shot. It's like, oh, this this could be this could be special. So, yeah, Carpenter you, again. You can't one of my one of my favorite directors. JC, JC. Yeah. So let's go to uh, let's go to recasting. And I have uh, McCready, I have Childs, and I have Blair. Same. Okay, who's your who's your Blair? All right, I went in a really different direction here because okay. I just did, and I I didn't really. I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll get to it. And it's just, it's just, I, it, I didn't try to say like, okay, Keith David is African-American. So I'm going to pick an African. I didn't do that. Yeah. I didn't go there. I just yeah. thought of car- actors who I haven't used in the past, who I think would be really exciting in this world. Yes. So bear with me. You might not, sure. you know, okay. it's just my opinion, but my, you said child's right. Uh, let's go Blair. Let's go Blair. Oh, Blair. My Blair is Michael Emerson. I could I could definitely see that. Who was actually my Hannibal Lecter? Yeah, which is pretty crazy. Um, but I just wanted to pick somebody who's not super old, right? You know, maybe right in the middle there, maybe in their like 50, late 50s, 60s, maybe early 70s, and be a really, you know, the doctor who at the end you're like, where is he? And he has that face where you're like, you don't trust him anyway. <laughs> so um, he was my Blair. Speaking of faces, uh, I have a guy that you have used before, but I have not used before. Willem Dafoe Ooh, for Blair. Yeah. Just imagine him losing it. Like, cause you have, cause I have kind of like the rest of my cast is like, you know, the other two kind of like action star types, but um, um, there's no group of people that if you see Dafoe losing his fucking mind, smashing a computer with an ax, like nobody's going to go up to him. <laughs> no, I don't care. Who have, you, you are. have you seen the lighthouse? I have not seen it yet. Oh man. Okay. I'm going to change one of my movies coming up for the lighthouse. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. But I think, I think Defoe and just like, it'd be perfect that when they go to that shack and he's like very calm, he's like, I'd like to come in now. Absolutely. No way. Is he coming There's out no the way There's you no letting way. him in. There's he, no way. <laughs> nobody acts like that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh. So let's go to, uh, let's go to child's. My child, this is going to be the complete opposite direction. Uh, Ken Leung. You would know him from the villain in Rush Hour. Sure. He's in uh, a bunch of things. He's in Red Dragon. He is in, um, he's in uh, Saw. He's in an episode of The Sopranos. Um, He's in a bunch of stuff that I really, really enjoy. And I don't know why while I was watching this movie, I just really wanted to, I just just kept thinking of him for some reason. I don't know why, because he's like one of those character actors that people kind of forget about. But when he's in something, you're like, oh, yeah, that guy. Oh, yeah, I know that guy. Yeah, and he's just he's, like, in, he's in he's in Lost. He's uh, he's in Lost. Yep, exactly. Yeah. And uh, I just so pictured, you're, just, you're just having like a Lost reunion here. I actually didn't mean to do that, yeah. um, <laughs> but I just pictured him being Childs and just like kind of the one that nobody trusts. Because he, he, I like when he has an attitude and things that yeah. he's in. And if it, in the Sopranos, he's in one episode and he is just such such an attitude for no reason. Um, and I just like the way he does that. So yeah, he's my very off putting Childs. Uh, yeah, I, I went with a very different direction for Childs, and this is a guy who, if we had this conversation, let's say five years ago even, and I brought up this name, you'd be like, get the fuck out of here. Uh, but I went with Dave Batista. You, you know what's funny? I thought of Batista. When we first started this, I went, well, actually, it's funny, I, not for Childs, for McCready, I was thinking... Hmm, Dwayne Johnson, John Cena, and then I thought Batista is better than all yeah. of them, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking of him, actor, but I Batista is a better character actor. Yeah, and I just I can see him and my McCready just having that last scene. Yep, where it's just like where he's like, if things go bad, like either one of them's fucked. Right. You know, and Batista is like he can very much play, obviously the huge jacked guy. Yeah, but he's also such a great actor that he can very much like become small. 
Yeah, yeah, I see, I see this. And, and you, you're right about that. I think that he's more versatile than The Rock is. The Rock basically plays The Rock and everything that he's in with a different yeah. name. The Rock has The Rock has like one note and he plays it well. Right. And Batista um, yeah. like maybe is not as great an action star as The Rock, but he can do so. He's you know the 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 but he he can do so much more. Yeah, I, I feel for sure. I, Although, I, you know, I'd love to see The Rock push himself to do something. I think. Yeah, that has, would be nice. Yeah. Yeah. But let's go to uh, McCready. Who do you who do you this, have? Th- this was tough because again, there's yes. no there's no Kurt Russells anymore. Um, so I was like, do I go action star or do I go like just an actor I could see filling these shoes and being sure. like, I'm the leader here. And I picked an actor who I've used in the past pretty frequently and actually very recently. And I don't know what it is. I just I just like his face. Yeah. I like the way he does things. Um, I went with Bradley Cooper. Yeah, I could certainly see that. I think that he had that kind of the kind of look where he could just be like, you know, yeah, he's not going to fill Kurt Russell's shoes. But again, it's almost like when the whole thing was like, who's going to replace Harrison Ford as Indiana Jones? And the two names came up were like Chris Pratt and Bradley Cooper. And I remember I was like, no, no, you can't yeah. replace Harrison Ford. But I was like, out of the two of them, I almost felt like Bradley Cooper has that essence about him that he could maybe do yeah. a good job. And I feel like that with this one. He put his own take on it. Yeah, he's he's a great yeah. actor. I think you like with this role, you kind of have to split the difference between the traditional leading man and like a you know that sort of like the handsome buff dude, and also a guy who can really act. Right, and he I think he's got a lot of those features. Like he's a good looking guy. He can act, and he can do like action stuff. So yeah, great. <laughs> so my McCready, one of the guy. I think we both used him before. But he's, I mean, he's just, he's a great actor and he has the charisma to carry this movie. Uh, and that's Idris Elba. Dude, we're on the same page here. I, yeah. he, I had him literally written down for the longest time. And then I just saw the age and I was like, I think, and it's funny. I go, I, I go, I go, I bet you Rick will ping me for this. Cause he's like 57. No, no. Cause I think this, this role doesn't require, I almost think it, it, it's better if like these guys are a little bit more haggard. Okay. You know, because I, I know, like, I've seen Idris Elba, like, starting to go a little bit gray. And I was like, that's, like, that would be perfect for McCready. Right. Like, he's just, like, he can take care of himself. He knows what he's doing. But he's just, like, beaten. Like, everyone there is just beaten down. And then we yeah. get this shit on top of it. Right, right. Yeah, So I like it. Yeah, and I, I just see, like, I look at my cat, and I can just see Idris Elba and Batista just, like, all right, how's this going to go? Right, right. Uh, yeah. So, any uh, any miscellaneous? Let me ask you a question, Rick. Yeah. Is this the best performance by a dog in a movie? Mm, that's 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 a, a tough question. Of the dogs in like this here, are but... incredible, though. They're so good. Like, you know, even just watching the the opening scene where the dogs being like hunted down by the Norwegian guy with the, the gun and stuff, like just watching the dog and the like dog how it looks menacing in some scenes. It, it, well, the way it like ducks and like from the hell and then like it moves. And then it's just the dog's face when it walks into the room. Like, it, I don't know what they did, but it, they made it look amazing. I mean, there are like dog movies. Like can you compare this to like Homeward Bound? I don't know. I mean, get a range of like, I'm talking, I'm talking non, non, you know, t- dogs that don't talk. <laughs> silent performances by a dog oh I mean, you get like you get like toto and the wizard of oz like the real legends <laughs> the real legends the real legends of screen i mean come on no one can touch toto he's like the al pacino with dogs yeah dorothy <laughs> did you see the videos of al pacino lately there's one there's one i posted on facebook yesterday it's just him dancing down the street at 81 years old with headphones on and he's just dancing by himself and everyone's like that's just, that's just al pacino just like enjoying really? life at 81 yeah uh but um Gino. so I, I know that carpenter like was really disappointed when he found out that like the director you know of of the the original like didn't like it and stuff and he howard he got, hawks is like one of his heroes yeah it really stinks that he got shit on for this because i know that especially from what i from what i read is that he takes losses you know, you know flops and negative yeah. reviews very very you know to heart and stuff and i felt bad because he was just like this is my this is his favorite movie of his yeah. And it just got completely shat on. And I just feel like hopefully now he's like, okay, well, now it's getting the respect it deserves. But it's got to be tough when you try that. It's like, 
any big masterpiece that you make and people are like, well, it's not good. And it's like, what do you I mean? Do, I did so I, much here. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do wonder if like, who's working today that 10 years from now, we're going to look back and go, oh, he made this and this and this, or she made this and this and this. What a fucking legend. Like, how do we not like capitalize on this and give right. him, you know, but he, I think he had, Halloween was so huge, like from from just a success standpoint, that it's tough to live up to that because that's just what people want for you. Like it's that line you have to walk of like, all right, I made Halloween. Am I just the slasher guy from now on and just give the people what they want, or do I do something different? Right. And sometimes when you do something different, it doesn't pay off in the moment, but it like. It it, it it takes time, unfortunately. Yeah, and we've done a lot of cult classics on yeah. here. We're like, I'm sure Rocky Horror when it came out, people were like, "What?" Yeah, and now but it's fun. Is, but but this is this is weird. This is weird even among those because a, a lot of the ones that like you know Rocky Horror, it is they played at midnight every every day forever. You know, um, uh, it's a Wonderful Life. It's like they played on TV every year. Uh, you know, just pick them like Shawshank it's like it's on TNT every weekend for 10 years they don't play this movie mm. it's like everyone looked back on it and goes this is incredible what was anyone thinking like what the fuck right so I, I get one miscellaneous okay all right they're in Antarctica where are they getting this weed why well, don't know why don't I remember smoking that? Weed. They are smoking weed at the beginning of the movie. I don't remember that for some reason. <laughs> There's the guys, the characters on roller skates. Oh yeah, yeah he's, okay. He's smoking, and like his roommates, like, "Hey, give me some." Like right when shit pops off. Okay. Like there's like two scenes where someone's smoking weed. Like, I mean, I mean, they had to have grown it or gotten it from America and brought it with them. There's bringing seed. There's like a oh man. There's like the room. Like, what if the thing became the weed? <laughs> Like in scary movie when uh, Marlon Wayans is being like rolled by like a giant yeah. marijuana plant. Yeah, what is that? Is this secretly a prequel to uh, uh, Little Shop of Horrors? And like uh, that's how. Yeah, <laughs> I'd say so. I, I bet you Audrey too is part of that He's alien. The thing. Yeah, He's the thing. He's the same creature. Is the thing. I think so. That makes sense to me. All right, let's. Uh, so let's go to the Oscars here. Uh, this is a year we've talked about once before, and that was with uh, that was with Blade Runner. Mm-hmm. That's right, eighty two. So uh, the thing has, gets no Oscar love, not even for effects, which oh, is like shocking. That is shocking and um, annoying. Let me let me look. So best makeup, Quest for Fire, it's a caveman movie. Uh, the other no- there's one other nominee to Gandhi. Uh, costume design, which is, I guess, a little different. Gandhi wins that. Uh, best art direction, Gandhi wins that. Uh, visual effects, ET. <laughs> ET wins. Blade Runner is nominated. Poltergeist is nominated. The thing is not nominated for best visual effects. ET, e- you know, it's funny. We've talked about this in the past. I haven't seen ET all the way through. ET special effects are better than the effects from the thing. Again, like audiences at this point had no fucking clue what they were like looking at. I, I, I just can't explain it otherwise. Like it's, this is legendary. Yeah. Uh, so uh, best picture, let's talk about the major categories. Uh, best picture, Gandhi wins. E.T. is nominated. Tootsie is nominated. The Verdict is nominated. Missing is nominated, but I think we did not go missing for Blade Runner. Okay. So... I, you know, I don't even think they deserve to have the thing up there. The thing is better than the Oscars. The thing is better than the Oscars at this point. Like, fuck them. Like, I'm glad. This, this is a strong year for movies, but kind of a weird year for the Oscars, where it's like Gandhi. It's just like it's, it's everything fucking Gandhi here. But like, you have the thing. You have uh, Blade Runner. You have. Uh, poltergeist you have sophie's choice a lot of horror and sci-fi and yeah yeah it's a it's a weird das boot um 
like Tron is here, you know, for maybe for effects, it's weird that Tron didn't win. Yeah, that's also bizarre. Um, yeah, it's just it's it's an incredible year. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think I think the thing goes in here. I think I think the verdict is out and the thing is in. I'm I'm fine with it. Yeah. Uh, best director, uh, Richard Attenborough, uh, spared no expense uh, when he won best director for Gandhi. Uh, Wolfgang Peterson for Das Boot, Spielberg, future guest Steven, come on the show. Come on, Steven. Uh, Stevie. What are you doing? Uh, for what for you, ET, Sidney Pollock for Tootsie, Sidney Lumet for The Verdict. Carpenter needs to be recognized here. Come on. The hell. Again, like Gandhi's good, but it's so Oscar-y. Right. I feel like. Plus, yeah. I mean, come on. If you want to watch a Ben Kingsley movie, you got to watch him in Shang-Chi in The Legend of the Ten Rings. Sure. Where he, where he yeah, plays you, Ring- need to, you should need to travel decades into the future and watch <laughs> where he, that movie instead. Where he plays Ringo Starr for some reason. <laughs> I, I feel like that character was meant to, I mean, obviously it was meant to be in like half a movie and they're like, actually, you're going to come back and you have to, you have to like make this a new character, like a real character. Yeah, like, I just, it, it, it was like, it, all right. It felt a little forced, but I, I still kind of liked it. Yeah. Conversation for the Shang-Chi episode. Right, right. Uh, I, you know, I think we'll think Peterson out. I like Das Boot a lot, but yeah, this is, this is, this is a strong year for directors, but I mean, John Carpenter in his is possibly his best movie. Yeah. Right. Uh it's a complete snub. Yep. Yeah. Best actor. Uh Ben Kingsley for Gandhi. Um uh, playing in Brownface. Uh <laughs> Dustin Hoffman in Tootsie. Jack Lemon in Missing. Paul Newman in The Verdict. Peter O'Toole in My Favorite Year. I think we did knock out Jack Lemon. Or maybe Dustin Hoffman. We knocked out somebody for Harrison Ford and Blade Runner. I forget who. Okay. But let's 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 just say it was Jack Lemon. Get the fuck out, Jack. Or you know what? It was maybe Peter. I don't know. I think uh, so. Peter, Peter O'Toole is always nominated back yes. then. He's a great actor. <laughs> Kurt, Kurt, Kurt Russell, I feel like, I mean, this is not an Oscar thing for me. Sure. It's great, but it's not, you know what I mean? It, it's good. Sure. It's it's good for what it is, but it's it's almost on the actually the idea of Harrison Ford and Blade Runner where like they're good performances. Is it their best? I don't know. Yeah. Um, there is not a single female in this movie, so I think the, I think the thing identifies as a female. It could, it could. We don't know. We don't know how the thing identifies. It makes the most time. sense, you know, killing men. It makes sense. There's a lot of tentacles for it to be female. It's true, but I mean the uh, the, the the mouth, the, uh, the the sternum mouth is very uh, very yonic, I guess. Yep. So exactly. Yonic is the opposite of phallic, for those of you who are asking. Uh, well, uh, smart people. Yep. So, Best Supporting Actor, uh, Louis Gossett Jr. in Officer and Gentleman, Charles Durning in Best Little Whorehouse in Texas, John Lithgow in World According to Garp, James Mason in The Verdict, Robert Preston in Victor Victoria. I assume that we put Rucker Howard in here for Blade Runner somewhere. Uh, uh, that makes sense. Definitely not for... I think James Mason was out. I'll say, yeah, definitely not for Lithgow because I, I would have, yeah. I would have vetoed that. <laughs> I think James Mason is out, and uh, Rucker Howard was in. Okay, yeah, there's not really nobody in the thing that really, yeah. you know. Yeah, not, not. I mean, there's a lot of fun performances in here, but you know. Unless you want to go for that dog, I mean, great, great performance. Best dog performance, definitely. So that's uh, that's the Oscars, and uh, Derek, what are you eating when you're watching the thing? uh well, well well let me see what did i eat when i was watching that oh I, I i was eating some frozen tosquitos that i put in the microwave and if you don't know what a tosquito is it's like a tosquito. long it's like a mexican thing it's a long and it's it's like it's like wrapped up and it's like it's got chicken and cheese in it it's like any you know this is that you get them frozen and is they good like a taquito i don't know these are tosquitos it's toss t-o-s-quito and they're uh, like they're like, you know, they, they just like, looks like they've just rolled up really thin and there's just chicken in them and they're Mexican and they're good. And you buy a box of them and there's a 25 in there and they're good. Like <laughs> me, they're like a good meal snack. Like it's not quite a meal because I'm fat and I don't, I want to eat more. You know what I'm saying? But then, anyways, I feel, like, I feel like there's two ways I could lean into this. I feel like if I want to warm myself up, I get, you can just keep the cold out. I go like a nice big bowl of chili. Okay. Or 
if I want to really lean into it, I maybe have some like calamari. It's like I a mean, I'm thinking just like sloppy, sloppy pepperoni pizza. Oh, there you go. Yeah, it's, it's good for anything. I want to. I want to see. I want to see more food eaten in this movie because they go to the little fridges and stuff. Like, what are they eating? Like, what are they? What are they eating there? I'd like to know. Yeah. But John Carpenter just clearly thought, like, you don't need to see what they're eating. So, all right. So now we come to the most important part of the show, and that is when we put 30 seconds on the clock. And Derek, you explain to us why The Thing is the greatest movie of all time. Are you ready? Let's do it. Three, two, one, go. The Thing, John Carpenter, 1982. Why is The Thing the greatest movie of all time? I will tell you it is because of the excellent effects that it has in this movie. Uh, the effects, I, I've never seen anything, any other horror movie. I me, mean, I've never seen any other horror movie that has the effects like this one does. It scared me. It's great. I think everyone should watch it. And I think everyone's stupid if you don't. Really fucking dumb. Really fucking dumb. Stupid and dumb. Fucking stupid. All right. That is 30 seconds. So that's been our episode in the thing. We hope you watch it, first of all. If you haven't seen it and you have the constitution to deal with some of the, uh, the crazy effects, please check it out. It's very fun, especially on a cold, snowy day. Hopefully, though, knock on wood, we don't get many of those. Um, next week, next week, we have the beginning of a black and white 90s movie back to back. Shit. The dog's in the house. Yeah. It's the thing. God damn it. Uh, next week we have uh, American History X. Yeah. Followed by the natural follow up to that, Clerks. Then, then we begin. Then we begin a trio, a trilogy. We take the Pesci Challenge. <laughs> the Pesci Challenge. The Pesci Challenge. It sounds like the Pepsi Challenge. That's why that's I like the, it. That's the joke. Excellent job, Derek. Great job. You know what? I, <laughs> I was just I was just thinking out loud. That was my brain going. Sounds like the Pepsi Challenge. <laughs> we're gonna take the Pesci Challenge, and we're gonna uh, we're gonna go with a Bronx Tale. With a little bit of Pesci. A little bit of diet Pesci. Diet Pesci. Diet Pesci. <laughs> That's it, Diet Pesci. Uh, then we go Casino. That's like a blue, that's like a blue Pesci. A Pesci blue. <laughs> Pesci blue. <laughs> no, I think that's I think that's I think that's regular Pesci. I think that's okay. standard Pesci that you'd order. Uh, and then uh, then of course, uh, I think maybe you get uh, with uh, we're gonna have a guest on for the, the third of our Pesci challenge, and that'd be my brother Anthony. Um, returns for my cousin Vinny. We'll try not which, to strangle each other. Yeah, absolutely. I really hope you don't, considering you're not going to be in the same room. That'd be weird if you did. Um, my cousin Vinny, I don't know what kind of Pesci that is. Maybe like a cherry, wild cherry Pesci. <laughs> yeah. I'll so that's what we get coming up. We get lots of fun stuff after that uh, as well. And I mean, by that time, by the time we're done with the Pesci challenge, it's going to be basically spring. Yeah, we're going we're, we're to be fucking August at that point. God damn. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, can't uh, can't wait for that one. I uh, can't wait for those ones. Uh, next week, of course, American History X and then Clerk. So get ready for some nineties. Yes, and and of course, you know, disclaimer for American History X: the the you know the the content of the movie not for everybody. We are discussing it because it is a very interesting movie. So jump in on that one if you if you feel like you can handle it. But we promise that uh, it'll be a good conversation. We'll guide you. We, we're always here for you. Exactly. Come into our embrace as we <laughs> or, guide you through American History X. Yes. Or just come. And that's where Derek crossed the line. Well, I was going to let you plug your other podcast, but now I think we're going <laughs> to... No, we're doing uh, 21 by Adele. Um, we're doing that one this weekend. So that'll drop this Saturday. Uh, Saturday night, Sunday morning, and yeah, and uh, 
that's all we have right now. The next two, the next episode after that, we haven't decided which one we're going to do. I'm probably going to jump back to the 60s or 70s because we've been doing a lot of uh, recent ones re- uh, recently, recently, recently. So yeah, we're having fun and keep listening to that one. And the numbers are, are uh, moving up for the last couple episodes. So thank you for that. And yeah. Well, glad to hear it. So I uh, do want to thank you so much for listening to our little podcast here. And uh, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Please check us out again. I, of course, have been your co-host, Rick Barrasso, or am I the thing? And I, your co-host, the big thing, Boski, or am I Rick, or am I Derek, or am I Mr. Smith? Keep watching everyone around you to make sure you're not the thing, everybody.